episode of the brothers book club podcast though a quick modification and a new title for today it's just one brother again it's just the brother i guess it would be the brothers book club man that name really doesn't change much there okay well it's just me today it's just travis again ryan uh, continues his fatherly duties uh, again we're thrilled he and his wife had a kid recently and so he is just so so busy i think he's been reading i have i've checked in with him but not about that particular thing so i'll touch base with him about some of the books soon i'm sure and we'll get him back on at some point in the near future until then i am going to soldier on because the penguin little black classics collection is sitting here in a very intimidating stack and it demands to be read This week, we are out with a new review on an extremely long title. Um, It's by Johann Peter Hebel, Hebel, which is a German author. These are German fables. The title that Penguin decided to give this collection is, and let me pause just to make sure I can read it all in one breath here. How a ghastly story was brought to light by a common or garden butcher's dog not even close it's the longest title of any of these collections that we've reviewed or any of these books in the collection that we've reviewed so far it is the title of one of the fables one of the stories in the collection and even the title of that is almost or nearly as long as some of the actual little micro stories that are contained in this uh in this collection if you've listened to other Penguin Classics reviews of ours, uh, this episode will not deviate much from those. I'll do run through some quotes that I think are pretty representative of the collection. I'll first give a brief review. I'll run through some light research and, and just context for the, this work. And then at the end, I'll sort of give a recommendation and a final review. This one, to set up a review to start with... I think it follows a kind of a pattern or a format, rather, that the Penguin Little Black Classics seems to really like, which is uh, it's global in focus, so it's not by, like, an American author or anything like that. It was not even written in English. It, again, has been translated. That's another pretty common thing in there. It's a very global focus. And it leans heavily on these short short stories like micro stories that are basically heavy on morals and lesson teaching which you know makes it's their fables as the review on their own back of the cover states so what that means is that what i got out of this collection in my review is essentially here's a set of brothers grimm-esque tales that you or at least i'm assuming you the reader have probably never heard or seen before i feel like if you grew up in in the states like i did and went to a i don't know like public school or really probably any place um when you're younger you encounter a good number of old european probably brothers grimm type fairy tales and sort of fables but and maybe even some of the aesop ones too those are pretty common um but you, you, it's not like we get a huge variety. The kind of the same ones get taught over and over again. You know, you have your Goldilocks and the Bears. That's really common. Rapunzel, I feel like, is another one. So this is sort of, you get these equally odd and disturbing tales um, as to the Brothers Grimm ones. But this is almost definitely a collection that the, you know, average person being raised and educated in the States has probably never seen before. Uh, if in other countries it's different, 
I would not be surprised by that at all. But that's kind of how I approached it, and that's my review is essentially that's what you're getting. I think mileage may vary. Um, you'll find out shortly that my mileage didn't vary and didn't get me too far on these. These are not my favorite type of these. These are not my favorite types of stories. If you've uh, again listened to reviews that we Ryan and I have done in the past on this show on this podcast, then you'll know that there have been other collections like this that I have not really been drawn into, um, and I think that will be true here. Let's uh, let's get into some quotes though, just to give some clarification and some context. I'm going to start with a few that I really liked and moments and stories in the collection that I thought were excellent. This first quote is a really quick one, which I think some of the the best quotes in this are pretty brief. And it's just a nice little bit of, you know, contemplation and philosophy. And I think it, it is actually a decent representation of how deep you can expect the insights in these to go. Uh, the quote is on 23 and it says, for war brings nothing, it only takes. Which is, is a cast-aside comment in the story. The story isn't really about fighting in war or about soldiers or consequences of war or motivations to, to go to war. Nothing really like that. It's just, I think the story is setting up some background for some characters, and then all of a sudden this line, it just appears in the middle of a paragraph like, oh yes, and also, by the way, war brings nothing, it only takes. It's a nice reflection, though not expanded upon really in any way, and I think that's kind of where I come to on a lot of the stories in the collection. There's some in here that are kind of neat, and there are some that are kind of twisted in that way that you, when you read like original fables or like original Brothers Grimm, there's the sort of darkness that underlies a lot of them. And the same can be said here. Uh, it's certainly, it's evident in a lot of the stories and the plots of a lot of these. But there are these moments of pretty clear, like, you know, moralizing and lesson teaching. And I thought that quote stood out as, I don't know, one of the simpler, better ones. Though, again, if you put it within the story, I, I don't remember why that line mattered. It probably didn't very much. It's just sort of like a, an offhand comment by the author. Um, when, when I do the light research later, I'll kind of explain the purpose behind some of these stories, which is interesting. And I think it sh does shed a light, a pretty important one on probably why these were written and why they are structured the way they are. Anyway, on to a different quote. Uh, this was probably my favorite sentence, maybe in the whole collection, and I thought it was a nice little flourish at the end. Uh, I do love a sentence that, that has a twist in the back half of it. Um, this one reads uh, from page 15, and I think, oh, also, this was a story that I think Franz Kafka, the famous author, said is his favorite story ever written, which is surprising, but it definitely had elements of Kafka in it, so I could see why he would say that. Anyway, the quote is, When, however, before the Feast of St. Lucia, the parson had called out their names in church for the second time, this is a married couple, couple about to be married, if any of you know cause or just hindrance why these two persons should not be joined together in holy matrimony, death paid a call, which is, I love that ending, death paid a call. You know, you're at your wedding and you're about ready to feast, I'm sure, and celebrate, uh, but then death shows up, and that really does tend to cast a pall over whatever event you're having, weddings or, or other things. Um, death always paying a call at the wrong time. Such an inopportune guy death. I picture him as like, you know, the guy in the black robe doing the, uh, having the scythe and all of that. And that I think is probably, yeah, was probably my favorite sentence in the whole thing. It The story is kind of macabre in the way that, you know, Kafka can kind of be. So when I read that in the research that that was one of his favorite ever stories, I mean, it, you know, it's definitely not going to be one of mine, um, but that's a really great line. And I thought kind of, I don't know, it was one of the better flourishes in the, in the collection and the whole you know, the way these stories were written in the style, which again is usually 
pretty straightforward moral and fable storytelling. So it's, you know, pretty stiff. There's not like the prose isn't taking daring moves and isn't really attempting anything too, um, I don't know, too unconventional, but that I thought was a really great line. Here, I think, is the quote that maybe represents the whole of the text the best way. Um, this one's from page 52 from one of the later stories, and I think it, because it relates to tricksters and scammers. Uh, thematically, this collection, almost every story in some way, and at some point, will involve someone trying to trick or scam or just generally like extort or exploit someone. And so a lot of the lessons in here are like, hey, don't get tricked. Hey, pay attention, you know, don't don't believe strangers. Don't just put your faith in others to think that they're, you know, being sincere with you. Keep a keep a head on a swivel, as that expression goes. Uh, the quote is, and in the end, a level-headed lawyer concluded that the best thing to do was to preserve the peace and avoid strife in the community, and that was to pay the weatherman off and send him packing. Now, the weatherman in that story had been a total trickster. He just schemed the town. He basically pitted the town against itself, uh, neighbor against neighbor. And then he ends up, yeah, getting the lawyer kind of comes in and then pays him. And so the scheme is complete and everyone's been duped and tricked and they don't even know it. And that, I would say, is probably how half of these stories resolve, maybe more of them. I mean, you know, to different degrees and the plots kind of change. I don't really want to you know, quote unquote, spoil anything for anybody out there who plans on reading these. But that is sort of the gist of a lot of these stories. And so that I think is a pretty representative quote to show this is how um, the author wanted to end and teach the lesson many times over. You know, I can't, I have to imagine, I didn't read up on the author's personal life too much, but I have to imagine he was profoundly scammed at some point. There must have been some kind of robbery or trickery or something done to him um because that's that i think is the the number one concern on his mind uh, throughout most of these uh, the collection i'm going to end here final quote for for context and clarification i'm going to end here with what i think is the quote that represents what i dislike the most about this collection so sort of a, a dud of a quote at least in my mind Though now as I read it in my head as I'm looking at it, it's kind of funny. It's a quote of characterization, and this is about the subtlety and complexity that will be at work in this, you know, set here. It says, and this is a story about um, a woman and her husband who kind of go on this murderous rampage. So hopefully that establishes why this quote needs to, I don't know, be as harsh as it is. But it says, Then the woman, whose heart was not just as black as sin, but blacker and hotter than hell. And that's that's about all you learn about her in the story other than the heinous things that she and her husband do in the name of greed greed another pretty you know common topic uh, and some there's some themes about greed in here but I, I think that quote just shows and even reading it is I don't know kind of humus hotter than hell describing someone's heart is I, you know I the heart pumps the blood I mean I guess it does get pretty heated in there it's it's kind of a funny image and bit of hyperbole but it's just straightforward in that way. And I, that, that quote doesn't really grip me much. I just kind of chuckle and then, you know, kept reading a pretty simple tale. And that quote specifically actually did come from the title story, the titular story, the ghastly dog, uh, really long setup title, whatever that was. I'm not going to read it again. That quote came from there. Um, and so, yeah, I think in a weird way that it sort of represents what you would expect from the prose in this collection. And the sort of style that the author likes to use. 
Let's uh, switch into some light research, though. I've, I've spoiled a couple of things already that I discovered in, you know, about a half an hour of Googling things. There was a review on The Guardian of this collection, that, or not this specific Little Black Classics, but the larger collection these were taken from, and there was some information on a Wikipedia article that were helpful. Apparently, these tales were written to fill in a Lutheran calendar slash newsletter that was not selling as well as it used to. So it's sort of, these were just thought to maybe bolster an otherwise pretty dull thing for the new year where they're, th- you know, trying to sell these calendars and they thought, well, if we maybe include little fun tales, you know, this author can put them in there and it'll be a bit of a touch of entertainment that will help sell these, which makes a lot of sense because these are pretty quick, entertaining things. You know, I can imagine flipping a calendar page, reading a story of this, you know, length and just being entertained for five to 10 minutes. Um, Some of them though are pretty grim and grisly for, I don't know, for a family Lutheran church going crowd, I suppose. But that's true with the grim fairy tales as well. So that's just kind of what you're getting into when you read I don't know, older fairy tales. Um, The review on The Guardian puts it this way. There's a strong bit of death here, but a touch of humor too, which I completely agree with. That is sort of the tone and operating topics uh, throughout the entire collection. And again, I already mentioned that Franz Kaff of the Metamorphosis fame considered one of these stories, um, the one about a man and wife um, reuniting in an extremely unexpected way. It was probably the most bizarre and definitely the most macabre story. It, a little bit sweet, too, uh, and that's his favorite ever. I think that makes a lot of sense if you've been exposed to some Kafka things. That, that kind of connects with... I, I only had to read The Metamorphosis and The Trial. I think I read that or finished it. And maybe some short stories, too. And that definitely rings true in, t- in terms of tone and topic to what I know about Kafka. But yeah, I think when you consider the purpose of these originally, and that they, again, were just sort of like an, an added-on sales booster, um, it sort of fits. Though, again, the originality of some and the creativity, I, I don't want to undersell. It's not like these are just advertisements in some weird way, but I, it just doesn't It doesn't have the depth or they didn't have the depth that I was hoping for, maybe looking for when I'm, you know, spending my precious reading minutes nowadays. I think then by now I've sort of seeded the idea for what I'm going to review this or what I'm going to give it, at least if you've been listening, I I bet you can probably guess. I think these sort of micro stories, these fables, these kind of moralizing tales are are just too short for my style of short story that I love and enjoy. You know, I I read short story collections. I don't know. I probably more than most readers, if I had to guess. And I, because I do enjoy the form, Um, but these micro stories, I just don't often do it for me. Either they don't resolve in a way that's interesting or feels like it says something, or they just don't develop enough to fully, you know, kind of pull me in. They're definitely way shorter than your average short story. Um, If you do love those, though, I I will say that these have twists and turns enough to be, I I guess you could say, entertaining and at times pretty thought-provoking. I I still think, though, when your story ends with such heavy-handedness about learning lessons and here's the moral and do you get it now, I just don't need signposts that clear to me, or at least many readers don't need them. I suppose what I meant is I don't enjoy that. I don't need to be or especially want to be told at the end what I should have taken away. 
And I think even if that style doesn't really bother you, or even if you enjoy it, right? Even if you're out there and you're like, no, I love at the end of a story when the author says, and by the way, here's the lesson you learned. This is what you get for from this Lutheran calendar. Um, even if that's you and you do enjoy that, a lot of these overlap then. And it's just sort of like, hey, don't get scammed again. You know, there's a lot of ways out there to get scammed by carpenters and butchers and people you meet on the street and strangers and don't trust them you know don't get scammed make sure you keep your eyes on your possessions at all times things like that and i just think that combines both with the style and the the brevity and everything else i mentioned it's a one i don't think you should read this i think you know as we often talk about on this pod there's just so many things that vie for your attention nowadays so many entertainments out there so much art to see and experience and enjoy i don't think this is worth it um if you do like the simplicity of fables and kind of moral lessons like you know aesops come to mind i used to use those when i was teaching middle school i used to use aesops fables all the time to teach certain theme things if you do enjoy those I think you'll know what you're getting into here. Why not go for it? Explore them. I know that the actual Penguin longer collection of um, of Peter Hebel's or Hebel's tales is, you know, there's a lot more of them in there. So, there, you know, there's 150 plus pages of these, and I'm sure they've left out some that are entertaining. But the 50 or so pages of them I have here, eh, only of moderate interest. And again, I mean, I read the quotes. It just didn't do it for me through the entire collection. Well, the goal was to keep it under 20 minutes, and I'm almost going to hit that mark, which uh, makes me extremely happy. Since, again, Ryan's not here, I don't ever expect these solo episodes to go much over 20 minutes. That's definitely not the goal. I do hope you enjoyed the, the sum up and the thoughts on, and I'll read the title only once more, how a ghastly story was brought to light by a common or gardener butcher's dog. Garden, it's a garden butcher, which... You know, until this moment, I hadn't even thought about what that is, and uh, I'm not going to Google it now. It's too late. Research has been done. Next week, we've got, obviously, a new review coming up on a new book from the Little Black Classics Collection, and that is The Tinderbox, which is another short story collection. This time, I think they're Dutch, or they might be maybe just Scandinavian from, from somewhere around there. Um, it's They're by Hans Christian Andersen. And uh, I'm about halfway through those. So far, I would say similar to this week, though definitely longer. Uh, the stories are definitely longer um, in style and sort of approach and just the general fairy tale atmosphere of them. Eh, pretty pretty similar so far. Um, so I will be back next week, and maybe Ryan will be back. Uh, at this point, no assurances, y'all. We're hoping, you know, that he and his wife are enjoying their time with their baby he'll be back at some point um until then i'm going to keep cranking through the reviews and exploring this vast collection and i do hope you come along for the journey with me i'm flattered if you're listening to this uh we'll be back as i said next week with the tinder box thanks again so much for listening uh where our email is on the stump one that is the number one at gmail.com if you do ever have questions concerns thoughts about the show or just general feedback We have email lines open. Operators are standing by, so we look forward to hearing from you. And until next week, we will see you between the classics. 